may need both of those cups of water <clears throat> as I start talking, definitely. All right. I'm almost empty on this one. I'll be switching. But it's not a political preference, I promise. All right. Um, continuing the letter to the Galatians. And um, we will be looking at some interesting biographical information on the Apostle Paul. And I have a question that's related to Mother's Day with it. And um, A few years ago, somebody said, you know, I, I, was, I was going through a book like this. And on Mother's Day, I, I kept on rolling on wherever I was on the book. And, and they go, well, that was an interesting Mother's Day message. And I said, we're talking about the Bible. That's what we do each and every day. And so um, I do have a, 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 an interesting question, I think it is, at least something I've popped up in my mind today as I think about Mother's Day that we'll look at after we read through this passage um, today. But it's a rather lengthy passage, and it's got some interesting parallels in a couple other spots in the New Testament, uh, just different details in Paul's life story. But I invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 1, and we will close out this chapter today as we look at verses 11 through 24. and invite you to stand as we read those verses together. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism and beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father's. But when, when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and, the, and it was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They, they only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Lord, thank you for the testimony that we read of the great apostle here. And I pray, God, that we, uh, we would recognize the power that is in our witness for you. And I pray that you reveal yourself to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, so the question I have related to Mother's Day and, and reading that passage beforehand is intentional. What do you think Paul's mom thought of him? What do we know about Paul? Well, we find in, in the, actually the page before that he calls himself the Jew of Jews, the teacher of teachers. He was the one who rose in the ranks, and he, he, he did all kinds of great and wonderful things for what he believed was the truth. You know, that kind of makes your mom happy, right? Right? He did what he was supposed to. He held up all the things he had learned in the synagogue as a child to the point 
that he persecuted the church. Now, that's where the question happens. What did mama think about that part? Now, that's not the point of this message. But we can get caught up in who we bless in this world and think that we're doing the right things all along the way, and then all of a sudden we hear the truth. And the truth is revealed, and it's the proverbial light bulb. The sun comes on over your head, and you realize, you know what? It's wrong the whole time. That's really what we find in Paul's testimony, is that he was zealous for the law. He was the one who kept it to the point that he didn't want anybody to do anything and change from it. And if you changed especially to follow this Jesus guy, it was a problem. And what do we know about him? We know that he chased down Christians in order to arrest them. Go back to Acts chapter 9, we find that. Um, and we... we and, we see Paul's conversion there. I went to Gospel of John and almost kept going. I've got to get my brain in gear here. But um, we see that the, the conversion of Saul to Paul, it's, an, it's a fascinating event, right? We talked about it a little bit last week, but he was on his way from Jerusalem with the letters to know those who had accepted the way, that is, those who followed Jesus, and he was going to arrest them and put them on trial back before the Jewish tribunal in Jerusalem. Yet on the way, he meets the lights. He is blinded, and he is the only one who hears this message. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am the Lord Jesus whom you persecute. And he goes, and he he goes in, in, into this place, to the street called Straits in, in, uh, in Damascus, to the home of Ananias. And Ananias goes, I'm sorry, he goes to this place. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't go to the home of Ananias. Ananias is the guy who comes to him at that home. And Ananias says, I'm not going to talk to that guy. I've heard about that guy. You ever have that kind of uh, thing happen? You're like, I want you to go talk to this person about something. And you're like, okay, that's not exactly who I expected to speak to today, but, you know, since I heard in a dream and God spoke to me, I, I guess I'll go do it. That takes a radical kind of obedience, by the way. It takes a, a moment of true faith, trust in them. And he goes and, and he preaches the name to Paul, and, and, and Ananias says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. So he hadn't eaten in those three days that it took for Ananias to get there. And here's where the verses we have uh, come up on the screen here. Verses 20 through 25. I'm going to finish out 19. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. Now, why was Paul going to the synagogues? Originally on this trip to Damascus, to arrest them. And now here he shows up at the synagogues and the people are going, I know who this guy is. 
You know, we don't have Facebook, but we've heard about him. You know, it's, it's come before him, and we've fled Jerusalem to get away from him. And, and think about what Paul looked like. He probably looked very pharisaical at that point in time. He had the right haircut and everything, had the you know, cool beard and going. And, and no, here he comes, and, and the very opposite thing they were expecting him to say is what he says. He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? of those who called upon his name. And he has not come here for this purpose to bring them before the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. He gets them so wound up now that the, the reason he came to arrest the Jews is now what's going to happen to him. You wonder what it says here, verse 23. Many days had passed. The Jews plotted to kill him. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a plot twist. That's what you'd call that. It's a little bit different than what we have here, right? So, um, let's see. Uh, it says, but their plot came known to Saul, and they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. So, what we have there in those few verses, we have explained a little differently by Paul himself in the letter to the Galatians. When he comes to this point of faith, he says he didn't receive it from any man, but he received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, where do we, where do we learn about all that? So, he, he explains his faith. He shows that he has uh, had the former life, how he persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. In verse 14 of Galatians 1, in advancing in Judaism, he was, he was the prodigy. He was the one who went before the, the people and was preaching. He was that, that, that young preacher that came up and was confounding everybody by his passion and his, um, his love and zealous, his zealousness for the law. Until he met Jesus. Until he met Jesus. In verse 15, it talks about it. He says, He who had set me apart before I was born called me by his grace. He was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem, those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned to Damascus. Okay, so if you get your map out, and I don't have it, but you may have one in the back of your Bibles. It, Damascus is about a day and a half, two days walk north of Jerusalem. It took a long time to get up there, maybe even further than that, but it took several days to get up there. And it's, it's on the other side of the Jordan. Um, the church was fleeing from the Jews, and so he was going to chase them down. And when he comes to this point, they, they help him escape. They get him out into the desert, into Arabia. Now, um, I have been around long enough to have seen a lot of maps of the Arabian Peninsula. And there's usually one color on the Arabian Peninsula. What is that? Brown. There's not a lot out there, right? So he goes off into the desert. And some of the commentators I, I was reading reminded us along the way of, of this that so many different characters in the Bible God trains up in the wilderness or in the desert. You've got Moses, who is sent off into the desert of Midian, right? You've got 
Elijah, who spent some time in the desert by himself. You have David, who ran off into the wilderness for his protection. You have Jesus, who spent time in the the desolate places in order to spend that time with God. And, And Paul here now says he goes off and spends three years in the desert. And what do we learn about that time? It goes back up into that passage we just read, that he had been, uh, he was revealed to him the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, so verse 12 says, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Anywhere else in the Bible you hear that word revelation? It's the same word that we find as our final book of the Scriptures here, the book of Revelation, the Revelation of John, we find here that Paul uses that same word, apocalypsis, that he talks about this picture that God has revealed his salvation to him. Now remember, Paul was a student of the law. God reveals to himself in him as Jesus, and then he sends him off to put together everything between the point of the law to the point of the revelation that Paul had received and who Jesus is to the law. And now in Paul's writings, we see how he views the law in regard to who Jesus is. But the fact is, is that it came through that revelation. It came through the voice of of the Holy Spirit at work. Now, so many times, and, and, I, and I don't think this is a bad discipline, but we think that getting people to read the Bible is going to answer all of their questions about everything. Now, the Bible is the Word of God, and the Bible does hold all wisdom necessary for life here on earth. And I believe that even as its completed pages were completed almost 2,000 years ago, we still hold everything that we need for life and salvation through Jesus in the Scriptures. But the fact is, is that the truth ultimately can only be revealed to us through that revelation of God. God has to open our eyes. And the picture we find with the Apostle Paul, the vivid physical picture we have, was his infirmity, his blindness on the Damascus Road. We see that his eyes were blinded, and that's the way the Lord got his attention, is he afflicted him. Sometimes the things that we endure in life are put before us to get our attention. Do you think Paul really would have been listening very hard if he hadn't been going through this trial? What was he on his way to do? to arrest the church, bring them for trial, and to take their lives. But God spoke, he afflicted him, and in his affliction, he received that salvation. Sometimes the very thing that we are trying to rid ourselves of is the thing that is going to draw us into the presence of God. And that is not an easy message to hear. Because ultimately, the physical is what drives us to the spiritual. The things that we endure here on earth remind us of how great our need is for eternity. That's where the Apostle Paul found himself this day. He was persecuting the church. He was uh, 
doing all these things, and it was that revelation of God that brought him there. What was that revelation? Well, he goes and he learns the Scriptures in a whole new perspective. He knew the Scriptures already. He was a student of the law. But when he comes to know Jesus, he goes off into the desert and spends his time in the Word, and he, and he sees this revealed. And, and ultimately, everything we come to after this in the, in the chronology of the New Testament is a picture of, of Paul's understanding according to the law of God and what Jesus did to fulfill it. And he spends a lot of time in Galatians, but we find it in other books as well. He talks about that fulfillment and that. So, that's okay. She understands everybody, what everybody else is feeling right now. Right now, everybody's like, I, how can he even talk when he sounds like that? All right. Um, so, anyway, he, his point here for the Galatians, he had been, a, a charge had been brought against him, basically, that he was preaching a false gospel and that they, they were the ones who had it right and we are going to come back to him in the Judaizers in chapter 2. We're getting there closer every week, all right? He talks about these guys who come and they try to add the law back into faith. In other words, you have to become a Jew in order to be a Christian. And Paul's calling that hogwash in the kindest of theological terms along the way. But what he tells them is that this salvation he received he is making the boldest possible statement he can that it is not something that he created, but something that was revealed to him. Now, I will say that for anybody, and, and you see that statement again in the Revelation of John and, and other things like that, if you, if you make a statement like that, it better be true. Because if it's not, great judgment would come on it. Does that make sense? If you're going to make a statement about salvation, you better believe it. It's not something that you can just throw out haphazardly. But when we come to the point of understanding who Jesus is, we each have to realize that that moment that Paul talks about where it was revealed to him is a moment each one of us has to own ourselves. Our salvation is a personal thing. Each one of us, yes, we are accountable for the works that we do. But ultimately, you have to make a decision of what you believe about Jesus. I can't do that for you. That is something that you have to do. And that's what Paul is saying here in this bold declaration. He is calling into account the, accusing, uh, the accusations made towards him. He's saying, God revealed this to me. What did he reveal? Ultimately, he gets to the point that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the fulfillment of these things. So, um, why does this all matter? Because when we, when we come to our personal point of faith and testimony, we can look at the testimony of those who have gone before us. And I know so many of you in here right now have the privilege and the joy of being raised in a godly home of faith. Faith of Jesus Christ.
But the fact that my dad led me to Christ when I was nine years old is my decision. He did what he was supposed to in telling me about those truths. I can think about all the family heritage that I've got, especially on my mom's side, generations of not just Christian work, but Southern Baptist testimony. And some people would call that landmark right there. That means that's for real. But what it comes down to is what did the, this generation teach the next generation? And does the next generation receive that faith? And wherever you find yourself in that, at this moment, you may be first-generation believer. You may have never heard the gospel before from anyone in your family until this point in your life. Praise the Lord you're hearing it. I'm accountable for me. You're accountable for you. And we are accountable to carry forward that testimony to those who follow but they are accountable to receive it as well. So we come to this point of the testimony that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he paid the price for our sins on the cross, that he died, and on the third day he rose, and then at the day of ascension he went to heaven and he returned the Holy Spirit to us, and the Spirit now empowers the church to do and fulfill his mission of making disciples to the nations. He now drives us to that future of continuing to make disciples. And that's why the church is here. You know, our mission statement as a church to bring the love of Jesus, the restoring love of Jesus to the people of Pueblo. You know, I've got it, I look at it every week on the front of our bulletin. I don't type it out every week, but I look at it there. And we're bringing the restoring love of Jesus to the people of Pueblo. How do we know that restoring love of Jesus? It's that we have received that gift of salvation. And we do these things through serving Christ, through proclaiming the word, to try to live a life that validates what, who the, what Christ has done in our lives. But that next person is responsible to receive that gift as well. So that kind of leads me back, I guess, to that Mother's Day question. What did Paul's mother think about him? I hope that she heard the message of salvation through Paul and that she came to that place of Christ, uh, faith in Christ. We don't we don't have that. He didn't talk to us about that. He talks about his heritage, how he was a Roman citizen, and how he was a Jew of Jews, but then he came to that place in Christ. And we see things throughout his life as he journeys through Asia Minor, back and forth to Jerusalem, and ultimately to Rome, where he's martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. But we, we don't really know what his family life looked like after that point. There's lots of speculation about Apostle Paul's family life. What we do know is that he, who was the chief of sinners, who would call himself the chief of sinners, became the prince of the apostles in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Thirteen of 27 books that we have in the New Testament are attributed to the pen of the Apostle Paul or one of his secretaries through the words of the Apostle Paul. Even more than that, we have Luke and Acts. Luke was one of his disciples, one of his followers. Luke writing down all of those things. And you see in Acts 13 where uh, all of a sudden there's a shift from 
the, when it says the Acts of the Apostles, up to that point, it's a lot of Peter. And then after that, it's a whole lot of Paul. And then you see in, in, in Pauline theology show up throughout the New Testament. And it all comes to this point that we see where Paul believed that Jesus is the Christ. That was the turning point for Paul's life. And ultimately, it's the turning point for every one of our lives. You can hear the message you can have miraculous signs to display before you. But ultimately, it comes to this point. Who do you say he is? Who do you say Jesus is? What was Peter's answer before he blew it immediately? You're the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he lived his life from that point radical obedience to the point of death. Christ calls us to this place now. Who do you say he is? That's the question you have to answer. That's the question I have to answer. Everything following that is a reflection of how we answer it in that moment right now. Do you believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Are you willing to submit your life to him in, direct, in, in radical obedience to the gospel? To be baptized, to, be follow, to follow him and his command to be baptized. To live in a way that brings glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The prince, the chief of sinners, to become the prince of the apostles can only come through a radical life change. And some of you would say, I, I could never be good enough. Okay. Did you do things worse than Paul did? When's the last time you went and held the, rock, held the coats for somebody to get stoned? When were you chasing down people? to die because they said they believe that someone's the Messiah. Maybe, maybe you have. I don't think so, but maybe you have. Let me bring you comfort in that. Paul got saved too. Jesus desires to rescue you. Will you let him today? Will you believe in his name? Our Father, you are good to us. You alone are worthy of our praise, our adoration. None can be counted worthy except by what you have done through Jesus on the cross. I thank you for Paul's testimony. I thank you for the revelation. Jesus as the Messiah. And I pray for that revelation in each of our hearts anew today, or maybe for the first time for some in here. I pray that you would call each of us to obedience, to trust you with our lives, to live in a way that blesses you. In Jesus' name.